Welcome to Next Up, a Mid-Century Homes production, where we highlight the people, the places, and the work of folks that are making an impact in the world of mid-century design and architecture. And when we're not conducting interviews for this podcast, we're making mid-century dreams come true in Boise, Idaho. You can find out more about the work that we do online at mid-centuryhomes.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Boise Mid-Century Homes. This is TJ with Mid-Century Homes. Thanks for tuning in. On today's podcast, we have Sherry Stahl, who is the proud caretaker of the case study house number 22. She's the daughter of Buck and Carlotta Stahl, who hired Pierre Koenig to build their family home in the hills of Los Angeles. Many of you have seen their home in pictures. Fewer of us have been lucky enough to have visited it. Just over a year ago, Sherry and her husband joined us on one of our monthly home tours here in Boise. Since then, we've shared lots of stories and a number of visits, and in today's episode, we hope to share just a little bit of that with you. Settle in, grab your cup of coffee, and enjoy learning more about her home, her parents, and how both have impacted her life. And before we jump in, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Well, let's jump right in. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Tell me about your dad. What do you remember most about him? Well, when I was younger, um, to me, he was larger than life. You know, he was a big guy. You know, 6'4", 230, 240, football player. You know, he was a big, big guy. Yeah. So he was just larger than life to me. And, and, you know, as a kid, that always that always happens with your dad. Um, dad was, he was strict to the point where, you know, you had to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the Navy for a while, so it was very strict on how we had to keep our room clean and everything. But he was extremely patient. Yeah. And he enjoyed hanging out with his kids. Um, there's a couple times that, actually more than a couple, his big thing is there was so much uh, homes, uh, the homes were being built up in the mountains there. Yeah. And he would love to take us kids over, hike over, yeah. and take a look at the new homes being built. And he used to walk us through. And he used to have us try and guess what room it was going to be right it was before we you know the walls went up or anything yeah. it was just the skeleton of a house and so we used to go through and he used to have us try and guess what that room's going to be and then if we got it wrong he would show us why <laughs> so it's really cool that he was able to do that with us spend time with us but also he was teaching us and i didn't even know that till i got older right you know yeah. he was just um wonderful guy I, I miss him dearly. Yeah. How long ago did he pass away? He passed away in 2004. Okay. And how old was he? Actually, 2005. Sorry. He was 93. Wow. That's he had a good, a good life. life. He had a good life. Yeah. That's a good life. <laughs> he did. What about your mom? Mom was... Dad was more quiet. Mom was more outgoing. Mom was very much the... the she was very social. She liked being the center of attention. Um, she loved doing things for people. She was extremely friendly and very graceful. Yeah. She was a very graceful lady and she would always have a smile for you no matter what. Right. Did, uh, did she at all have to discipline or was that mostly your dad's role? Actually, no. Uh, she did a lot of discipline because, uh, she was with us during the day when right. we, she was raising us. Um, if dad had to get involved, it yeah. was, it was bad. <laughs> it, it was, it was serious. <laughs> so we learned pretty early on, listen to mom, because if dad, you know, she, if, uh, she tells dad about it, we're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Do you have a favorite memory of the both of them? 
Well, Christmas was was big for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very happy time. These kids, of course, but also my parents were just, they would just beam when family and friends would come over mm-hmm. for the holidays or for any time for that matter. It's just watching them enjoy people yeah. and enjoy family and entertaining. Right. It just was always special to have them around yeah. and us being with them during that time. And I'm assuming your house was the place where most oh, of yeah. that happened. Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. Yeah. It was it was the it was the cool pad to hang out in. Was your was the family and extended family that would come over for visits all pretty close in proximity? Yeah, like uh we're in uh, Los Angeles and uh the family was in Topanga Canyon. I don't okay. know if you know it's just up the coast a little bit and yeah. and then up into the mountains. Uh, okay. Topanga Canyon is a really neat area yeah. up there. Gotcha. So they would come from Topanga Canyon, but friends would be local. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. How old was your mom when she passed away? She was 83. Okay. She was 83. Yeah. And how long ago was that? 2011. Okay. Yes. So you got to care for your mom for a while after dad had passed away. Well, actually, I was caring for both of them. Oh, okay. It got to the point where dad was, he took a fall and, and broke his hip. And he had a real struggle getting up and, and walking again. And it just got too painful for him. So uh-huh. he was in a wheelchair. Okay. So when he was in a wheelchair, mom would take care of him. But as my mom aged and she ended up developing Alzheimer's mm-hmm. that she couldn't be properly, properly take care of everything. Yeah. So I had to quit my job and, um, come in and take care of them full time. Mm-hmm. Both of them. How long did you do that for? Uh, well, let's see. I was there a year and then dad passed away. And then I took care of my mother up until she passed away. Wow. A long time. Yeah. But what about eight years or, uh-huh. yeah, it was a long time. Interesting. But you know, it's, it was a, it was a very good time because yeah. unfortunately they were ill, but I spent such quality time with them uh-huh. in the end. And I have no regrets. Right. I spent a lot of yeah. time with them. Totally. Yeah. My dad got cancer and we got to spend about the last six months of his life together. It, he lived in our house until he passed away. And, it's ev- it's everything yeah. to yeah. take care of your totally. parents, you know? Um, how long were they married? They were married. Dad passed away in 2005 so they were married 51 years. Yeah, and there was quite an age gap difference between the two, right? Right, right. Because dad was, dad was 42, yeah. and my mom was 25 when they got married in 1954. Yeah. How long did they know each other before they got married? I think a year if, okay. or less. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. They knew right away. <laughs> they knew right away. So, yeah, he found a young, young, beautiful blonde, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, how tall was your mom? My mom was 5'10". Okay. So yeah. dad quite a bit taller and you got your height from your dad. I think we all did. Yeah. I was the short one. <laughs> <laughs> how old are you or how tall are your brothers? Um, my older brother, he's six, three, I think my okay. younger brother was six, five, uh-huh. a touch over six, five. Yeah. Yeah. And you are, I'm six, one. Okay. Yeah. So I'm the short one. Height in the family. Yeah. And he had brothers, right? Your dad? No, he only had a sister. Oh, okay. And she lived in St. Louis, and but she's passed away as well. Yeah. Because um, he originally came from St. Louis gotcha. out west. Okay. He was done with the uh, the hot, sticky yeah. summers and the cold winters. Right. And he came out here and said, this is it, and yeah. I'm not com- coming back. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and your mom did pretty much the, the majority of your uh, child raising life. She was the one at home kind of parenting you guys? Yes, she was. Yeah. Yes. She didn't go to work, um, not until we were old enough mm -hmm. to um, actually take care of my younger brother. Yeah. And go to school and take care of him. But we were also, um, my grandmother was helping out a lot too. Okay. But she stayed home and didn't work during yeah. our very younger young our younger years gotcha um did she have any like exciting hobbies that occupied her time or would well, capture her interest everything that was crafty okay she just loved that yeah her big thing was cake decorating she got into cake decorating and really that really stuck with her uh -huh. and she would Every time there was an occasion, she would decorate a cake. I mean, her cakes were really good. Yeah. They were really, really good. Huh. Um, and she actually did both my brother's and mine, our wedding cakes. Okay. So she was she was really talented. But yeah. she also loved to the knitting and the crocheting and the sewing. Yeah. You know, all of that. Did so, you pick up on any of that? No. <laughs> no, she tried. I, I went to cake decorating school. She taught me how to knit and yeah. crochet. And I'm just like. Uh, That's not, for, not for me. <laughs> she loved cooking, and I don't yeah. care for cooking at all. Right. That's funny. Yeah. And then you mentioned your dad, like, checking out all of these places and trying to figure out, you know, where the rooms were and explain to you, you know, the right way to lay out. Was he always, like, an architecture buff? No. No, dad wasn't. He was just, I think he, I don't know, he knew how to do a lot of things. Yeah. And... And I think he was always curious that he had his house built, and he wanted to see what was going on around in the neighborhood. Because mm -hmm. um, the, the stall house was like the first house up there, right? Uh, no, actually, we were, I think, the second. Okay. We were the second. Yeah, but not many. No, yeah. no, no. There was there were some others that are the older homes, but not to the degree it is today. Correct, yeah. But um, he was a graphic graphic artist, so I think he always had that in the back of his mind as far as creating and designing yeah. and, and all of that. That's really interesting. One of our target markets for the people that we, you know, try to appeal to or, or market to are people in that space, advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. So to hear that your dad was one, I didn't know that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He definitely was early on. That's what he did. And he, um, and I think he's just a very creative individual. Yeah. He, uh, and he was able to draw like, nothing I've seen before. I mean, just really talented guy. Right. Yeah. How in the heck did they get connected to the case study house program? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess after my parents got married, they got married in 54. My dad, um, my, my dad had already rented an apartment, like a downstairs of a house uh -huh. on the other, other, on the other Canyon. Okay. So just across the way on the other mountain, there was, uh, my dad and then my mom moved in with him mm -hmm. after they got married and they would see all these empty lots being cut mm -hmm. out there out of their patio right so they just spent many i think many evenings just dreaming about possibly going over there mm -hmm. and it would be so nice to actually live up there and the view and all of that so they ended up taking that drive one day over there mm -hmm. and they wanted to see their lot yeah. That's what they always called it. Right. That's what mom used to tell us. It was our lot even before we even bought it. Yeah. You know, and so she went, they went over there and uh, it just so happened that the, um, 
that the owner of the lot was there visiting from La Jolla. Uh-huh. So my dad spoke with him for probably a little under two hours yeah. and they ended up buying their lot. Yeah, made an agreement. Yeah, they made an agreement <laughs> by a handshake and that became their lot. And then, the, of course, the back then you had to pay the lot off before you could start building. Okay. So you spent four years, yeah. you know, doing the concrete work around the property yeah. to increase his building space okay. or the square footage. And then during that time, they spent every little bit of money that they had would go towards paying off that loan. Right. So they ended up paying it off. Um, 13500 Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. thirteen <laughs> five, And then um, about two years into that, my dad, mom and dad spent a lot of time up there on that lot. And I think they finally, dad got to the point where he, they envisioned what they wanted. Uh-huh. So he, he built a model. Yeah. And he built the model in the house that they were, they were living in down in Culver City. Uh-huh. And then when the lot got paid off, it was time to go shopping right. for an architect. Yep. And they interviewed quite a few, but everybody told them it was an unbuildable lot. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. To get what you want, yeah, not gonna happen. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Till Pierre, till they interviewed Pierre. Yeah. Pierre Koenig. And um, he was young. He was 32. And he was a go-getter. Yeah. And it was perfect. It was right up his alley, because they saw they saw in uh, Pictorial Living, it's it was part of the Los Angeles Herald, uh-huh. May, uh, newspaper, okay. and they saw his work, and it was like, ooh, stealing glass. Yeah, that might work. Right, that might work. So he came up, and he was bound to term, and he was uh, he, he wanted the job, and they commissioned him to build the house. But did he come to the table with a commission from the case study house program, or well, how did that work? What happened is after he got that commission, he was uh, he had just finished up on case study house twenty one, ah. and case study twenty one was part of the case study house program at that right. time, and so um, Pierre actually talked to my dad. Let's see if we can get this house included. Huh. And Pierre Koenig knew John Intenza. Okay. So what happened is. Pierre talked to John Intenza about it, and then the stall house then became part of Case Study yeah. House program as number twenty-two. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm learning more and more about the infancy of the program and how it kind of morphed along the way. Right. Yeah. Right. But it helped out my parents because they got things at cost. Mm-hmm. Um. So it saved them. I think they estimated, I don't know if it was ten or $15,000. Back then, yeah. that was a lot oh, of right. money totally. in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. it was reducing, I mean, even the appliances, the the lighting, everything was uh, reduced some. Right, right. Um, what year was the home completed? 1960. Okay. And for those that have never seen the house or been to the house before, do you mind if we just close our eyes for a minute and you can kind of give us a walkthrough and imagine like we're cruising through the house? Oh, okay. Yeah, just give um, us like a verbal walkthrough. Like what do we see when we're pulling up to the house? Okay. How do you park? When you get out of the car, where do you go? Walk right. us through that. Well, actually you you meander through the mountains. It's windy roads yeah. up through the mountains until you hit Woods Drive. Okay. And Woods Drive kind of veers off into three different streets, but you on the one woods drive which is private uh you drive up and the house will be on the left and when you first pull up you're like no way could this be a case study house or the stall house <laughs> because it actually looks like you know the the big cargo 
um, containers yeah. that you see down like in Long Beach, California or right. any port. Yeah, pretty unassuming. Very right. much so. Yeah. And then there it is. there is a carport, so you would pull into the carport, and there's only one door to get in, and that's the carport door into the pavilion area. We don't really have a front yard, so to speak. Yep. So as soon as you open the carport door, yeah. you have the the expansive view yeah. of Los Angeles. Right. You have the house that jets over the cliff some. Yeah. And you have a pool right in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk over a couple of concrete bridges over the pool mm-hmm. to get to what what we call the front door, which is really hard to determine Yeah, <laughs> because it's all steel and glass. So which one really is the front door? Right. So it kind of leads you, the, 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 the steps or the concrete blocks that take you over the pool actually yeah. lead you to the front door. Right. And when you walk through the front door, it's kind of into the kitchen area. Right. Yeah. You go, you go right into the kitchen and you can make a left to go further into the kitchen, the dining room or the living room, or you make a left, or I mean a right to go into the living room and dining room, right. or you make a left to go back into the bedrooms. Right. Because so, you have an L. Totally. Yeah. And in, right in the corner of that L is the front door. Yep. What's your favorite part of the house? <laughs> um, it's, it's actually on the outside of the house. Okay. It's the catwalk that takes you around the cantilevered, uh, living space the uh-huh. living the living room yeah where you could go out there and just sit and there's absolutely nothing under you and yeah. nothing in front of you except this view yeah it's really beautiful it's your uh, facebook profile picture right right <laughs> i do i have it up there i love that space yeah. if, if it was inside it would be the living room of course mm-hmm. all the lights out at night just yeah. so all you see is the view right which is which is beautiful yeah remember when we were there you were telling us the story of um how your mom's friends wanted to make sure that they built this house so that they could put art on the walls. But there are no walls on the back side of the house. Right. Because... Well, how did my mom state it? Her friends were like, why would you put so much glass? You know, you, ha- you don't have walls to put any to hang any art on. And she says, the view out there is perfect. That is my art. Right. I don't know exact words, but she said... Yeah. This, this this view is this is my art right. you yeah. know so and she loves she used to just sit there in yeah. evenings and and sometimes during the day and just take the view in right just totally quiet yeah. just just absorbing it all right she would just absolutely love yeah. it well we appreciated the time of day that you uh suggest that we come over so that we could watch the lights go down on the city which it's was pretty pretty stunning yeah that's I think evening time is my favorite yeah. time up there. My dad's favorite time was, of course, when the sun was just about going down. Okay. He loved that time. Yeah, yeah it was very fun. Um, what about uh, particular memories that you have growing up in the home? Are there one or two that immediately come to mind? Um, the memories that we had were always, I think as kids, the pool was number one. Yeah. That was, we had the best memories living in that pool. That's right. what we did. Yeah. As kids, we lived in that pool. Uh-huh. And if we weren't in the pool, we were hiking in the mountains. Okay. So as kids, it was fun. Bruce and I, and the three of us were close because there wasn't a lot of kids living up mm-hmm. in the area. Yeah. So mom, a lot of times would have to go down and pick kids up to bring them up to play with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the memories of the summers uh, around the pool, mm-hmm. big. Winter is Christmas. 
yeah. hands down right. Christmas. Yeah. It was one of those where mom decorated it like Santa's village. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it was just magical as kids for us. Yeah, with all of her crafts. Crafts, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. They were everywhere. And it was just the, the way the house is with the glass. Right. When you put a lit tree at night, and it just goes on and on in reflections. Yeah, right. So you could see the lights around the house and in the tree, yeah. and it just is continuous. Right. So it's not just those lights. It's all the lights that are reflecting mm -hmm. as well through the glass. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how old were you when you moved away? I was. As soon as I graduated high school at 17, I moved out okay. with some friends. Yeah. Um, I ended up moving back home for a while. But then it was soon after that I moved out again and didn't come yeah. didn't come back to live, yeah. you know, until I had to take care of my parents when they were right, elderly. Right. What were you doing with your life at 17? Where where did you go? What were you chasing? Oh, I was, you know, I was ready to take on the world. <laughs> I was, you know, young and it's like I was holding down, you know, two jobs. I was going to community college at night. Uh -huh. And it was I was Bound determined I was going to make something. Right. You know? Yeah. You know how much energy you have at 17, mm -hmm. 18? Yeah. Endless. Yes. And what about um, the uh, the appreciation of architecture that you have? Um, do you feel like when you left the house you had that appreciation? Or do you feel like your appreciation for architecture grew more in your adult life? That definitely grew more in my adult life. Okay. Um, in the beginning, it's like, no, I don't want a home like my mom's. No. <laughs> no, I want something completely different, you know? Yeah. And then it's so funny, after I have the completely different, I'm coming back around and I'm going, I really like mid-century. Yeah. <laughs> I want my mom's house. <laughs> you know, it's just so funny how you you kind of go in your own direction right. and realize you end up coming back around full circle. Yeah. And I now I really love that era. Right. I do. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, the uh, the process of understanding architecture even better. Where have I mean? I, I know that your dad, when you were early on, younger in life, was trying to teach you and train you. But where have you gone to like study and learn and understand more about architecture? Where have you found those places to educate yourself? Oh my gosh. Well, I haven't gone anywhere to study it. I, I mean more like, you know, what materials or what are you watching? What are you listening to? Well, it's just so funny because when we do tours, um, sometimes when I'm down on those tours, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of architects yeah, that come by. That are pretty educated. Oh yeah. And they, <laughs> they tell us lots of stories and they're always inviting us over the, to their house. Yeah. So even when I go there, it's, it's like, you know, you got to go to the Eames, you got to go to Goldstein house, right. you got to do all of these things. Yeah. And, and so I'm slowly going through those. Right. Um, but what I've learned just ha by having in running the house right. is quite a bit. Yeah. Just from the people I talk to or, e or yeah. email with or the people that are on tours. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so your education comes to you. It does. <laughs> it does. They're teaching me. It's great. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, how do you feel like the home has impacted your life? Um, I think if from a standpoint of having stability, mm -hmm. it was definitely, definitely a place of stability. It was a constant. Mm -hmm. And it's still a constant in my right. life where everything yeah. else is in flux yeah. and constantly changing. 
that is one aspect that is um, remained the it same. It remained the yeah. same, yeah, and it's still the same as it was forty right. years ago. Yeah, you know, um, as far as me being able to, I go into some homes and they're really, really dark and dim lit. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get out. Yeah, I have to have lots of glass. And growing up in a glass house has really formed me, or has made me into wanting that same thing. Yeah. I can't be in dark spaces. Right. I don't like it. Yeah. I have to have light. Mm -hmm. Curtains aren't drawn. Yeah. I don't want curtains. Totally. You know, yeah. I just want light. I just want view and light. That's uh -huh. what I want. Yeah. So in terms of what you are desiring in architecture, those are the things that you're drawn to based on what you grew up in. Do you feel like the home is impacted like the way you think, the the way that you live? Like, um, have, has it shaped your theology of? Well, as know, I as I get older, uh, I am definitely leaning more towards the min minimalism. Sorry, yeah. I have trouble with that. I don't want stuff. Yeah, you know, I right. just want very little, like they used to do uh -huh. back then, where right. you, that's all you had because you yeah. didn't have a lot of money. Right. So just to go back to just not having a lot of stuff in your life. Yeah. I think there's a big response from the world at large that's being drawn to that at the moment. Yes. Yeah. It just, I don't want all of that. Right. And going back to like the mid-century furniture, the clean lines, right. the, the sleekness of it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, totally. Changes the way how you view the world. Right. When right. that's, when there's not so much stuff. I just, yeah, yeah. it's the stuff you just don't need. <laughs> Um, what year did the home no longer serve as a full-time residence? Well, I'll have to say when my mom passed away in 2011. But, but immediately thereafter, nobody was living in the home. Well, you have to understand my brother's there every day. Oh yeah, that's right. My brother's there yeah. every day, uh, for one reason or another. He, yeah. he, you know, gets, maintains the house, maintains the pool and does all that. Right. I go down there. Whenever I go to LA, yeah, um, the house is never empty. Yeah, you know, which is one reason why you can't really make it a full time resident right. residence anymore yeah. because you have you know f photography yep. shoots going on, or you got filming, or you have right. tours. The house is busy every day. But I guess what I'm trying to figure out is from the from the time that your mom passed away to the time that it's a fully functioning enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that was a transition that didn't like immediately happen. No, we started it in 2010. Okay. Actually, 2009, 2010. Yeah. When my mom was still still around, and she would come down and she would hang out with people on tours. Okay. Um, but then it just got too difficult for her. Yeah. So, but we kept it up. Okay. Because remember, in the downturn uh, of the economy back yeah. then. Um, photo shoots and filming and that income level that they right. were used to yeah. was starting to slow down. So my brother had the forethought to let's open it up to tours, right. scheduled tours. We yeah. were doing tours before, right. but it was always, you know, um, they were intermittent. Yeah. Depends on, you know, the, the, the college or the university. Right. But now we start them as scheduled tours okay. and and we have tour fees that go mm -hmm. back into the house as far as renovation. Yeah. And so because of the downturn, that started up. Gotcha. And it, it helped my parents towards the end get mm -hmm. through the, um, you know, that downturn. Right. Um, there's, a, there's quite a bit of involvement in 
upkeep with the home, correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Well, luckily we do have these tours that um, help us with the renovation along with uh, the studio income. Right. Um, but I'll have to say the the most upkeep is spent on the steel. Okay. Because the steel and, and water and the environment don't mix well. Okay. So we have to constantly keep the paint going. We also have to constantly make sure that rust doesn't set in. Okay. Because that's not a friend of uh, yeah. steel at all. Right. So the major upkeep and the major expense is keeping the uh, the steel painted. Interesting. And when people come out to look at painting the roof, yeah. you know, the eaves underneath, uh -huh. they look at it and go, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Because um, they have to scaffolding down the hill in right. order to reach the part that's cantilevered. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's probably, that's the more time consuming is the steel. Yeah, and that's the regular ongoing stuff. That's ongoing. Is there a project or two that's on the horizon that's the, you know, once every 10 years, once every 15 years, or that that's around the corner don't, don't i remember you're trying to like do a little bit of renovation in the kitchen we want to redo the kitchen yeah we want to bring that back to the original okay um we are trying to find original appliances mm -hmm. you know we're on the hunt constantly yep. for it although they're not too many because they get picked up pretty yeah, fast right and so we're trying to find those and they were back in the 1950s when it was that pink color yeah on the appliances right and so we're, we're struggling to get those, but yeah. we want to change all the cabinet faces and just fix everything back to what it was. Right. And, and that is, uh, that, that'll be expensive though. So we've been right. slowly working towards that. Totally. Goal. And is that going to be like a, a quick project or an overtime project? Um, with us, because we do like to keep the house open as much as possible mm -hmm. for tours is that we will get everything lined up get cabinetry maybe built in in a different area mm -hmm. uh probably at somebody's shop right um it will happen not over time right. it, it'll be boom in phases yeah so two yeah. months we'll close get in there and do my kitchen oh we yeah do the kitchen well right so you know? one, a one-stop deal yeah yeah okay. that's the way we like to do the renovations okay. so we're not closed for a long period right so right. people can still come up and enjoy it yeah um the journey that you've had in um coming back to how the architecture has impacted what you're looking for. <clears throat> when you're out there trying to buy your own home, um, they all haven't been mid-century, correct? Not one. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. Probably our first home that we bought in Lakewood was definitely built in the 50s. Okay. So maybe that was mid-century, but I never yeah. thought it because mid-century is my mom's home. Right. It's not the house I ended up with that was built in the 50s. Yeah. You know? Right. So, um, no, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, the home I'm in right now is more, it was um, designed by... Uh, a Frank Lloyd Wright student, yeah, um, who's getting up in age too. Right. So um, it was a fellow of Frank Lloyd Wright that right. actually designed that house. Yeah, but it's not mid-century. Why do you say that? Because it's it has definitely has a Frank Lloyd Wright feel. I never look at Frank Lloyd Wright and mid-century the same. So I don't know why. I just yeah. don't because they're so different. Okay, and I don't know if I'm comparing. A Frank Lloyd Wright to the Stahl House or to Case Study Twenty One. Right, right. That they're so different yeah. in materials. Right. That. No, that makes sense. Is the home that that you're in like? Would you put it in the category of kind of prairie style? Yes, probably more prairie. Okay. Gotcha. A lot of wood. Yeah. 
tons of wood. But lots of windows too, right? Tons of windows. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which is which is a requirement for right. me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what attracted me was the windows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you get to Boise? Uh, my bro- my younger brother Mark uh, moved up here and went to BSU. Okay. And he graduated from BSU, and then he never wanted to come back to LA. LA is either you love it or hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and about that time, when you know, after a while, when I my husband and I we adopted our daughter, and it was becoming very noticeable that raising her and our hectic life of commuting mm-hmm. so much to work. Yeah. It just wasn't working well mm-hmm. anymore. So we decided that we, it was time for us to leave LA. Yeah. So because Mark lived up here and I visited him quite a bit mm-hmm. that I really liked it. And I yeah. wanted Barrett, my husband to come right. and take a look at it. And he actually really liked it too. Yeah. And, um, I actually, the house that was here, I found it. Um, and my mom and I came and looked at it and I bought it prior to my husband even seeing it. Oh really? But you know, are you still paying for that one? (laughs) No, because he told he told me if 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 you can get that house, I'll move. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Done. Done. (laughs) But he loves it up here now, and I do too. I really love it here. What do you love most about it? Uh, Where I live. Yeah. The mountains. The the. The, the water systems here are amazing. Mm-hmm. Just being able to walk out your door and go hiking, it's yeah. just, it feels like you're camping every day where I live. Right. For the listeners that um, are not very aware of Boise, what you have very specifically is not what everybody has in Boise. Right. Yeah. You, right. You've chosen to, to buy a house a little bit outside of town. In the mountains. In the mountains, which, you know, people who live in town... All of that stuff is really accessible within 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, it's very accessible. But you live in it. Right. I live in it. So that's why I said it feels like I'm camping every day. Yeah. But for the people that live here, the park systems, the water systems, I mean, you have Bogus Basin. You have everything so close. Mm -hmm. Um, Even camping is is extremely close for anybody that lives in Boise. Totally. What's next for the stall house? What's next? Well, we're still going to be doing what we're doing. Yeah. As long as, in the foreseeable future, yes. Mm-hmm. As long as Bruce, my brother, my older yeah. brother, and I can keep doing it, we're going to do it. Yeah. Because we feel like we need to be good stewards right. of the house. And that's what we are. Yeah. We might own it, but we don't really. Yeah. It's the it's the public that really right. has it. Yeah. And so it was always a, my mother and father's dream to let people see it and enjoy it. Yeah. So that's what we're doing right now as long as we can. Right. Is we want people to keep coming yeah. to tours taking a look at it, walking through. Mm-hmm. Um, like my brother, my younger brother had said, once you come into the house, you you are in the mind and the imagination of my father. Yeah, totally. You were, you're in my father's mind. Right. <laughs> so so it would be fun to have some people from Boise come up yeah. and, and visit the house. Right. And uh, we have had some that yeah. knew Mark that yeah. actually kind of filter through because okay. they, because they've heard about the house through my brother. But right. Um, it would be fun to have more right. Idahoans come yeah, visit. Totally. Um, it's funny because they come up in cowboy boots. I'm like, I know where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> and again, just to clarify, not all people that live in Boise wear cowboy that's boots. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. I'm just joking around. I know you I'm are. just joking. No. So, There's some wonderful people here. It, it's, it's some couple conversations that we've recently had. I guess what I'm looking for in terms of the future of what you're working on with the stall house, you want to find additional ways 
to continue telling its story. Yes. Correct? Yes. Are there, are there anything in the works that you're kind of um, well, exploring? Well, we, we still want to. We yeah. still have hopes of getting a book yeah. published and a documentary done. Cool. We still have hopes of doing that. So yeah. um, we're that's in the that's in the back of our minds, right. but it's actually in the forefront because yeah. we really, as we get older, we're starting to forget. Yeah. You know, and we really don't want to forget because once, once my brother and I are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's there to tell the story? Nobody. Yeah. So we want to get the story out, right. you know, for people that just want to read it and for right. schools to totally. understand yep. universities to right. be part of the teaching yeah. uh, curriculum. So that's cool. Some yeah. That's resources. what we'd like to do. Awesome. Right. And what's next for you? That's a good question. I'll have to tell you, I don't know. Um, I'm a beach bum at heart. Yeah. I really am. Uh-huh. And I do see my, myself at some point moving back to the coast. Yeah. Don't tell my husband. Yeah. Although he's going to hear this. <laughs> um, but I would really love to get back to smelling that ocean air. Yeah. I miss it. I bet. I do. Yeah. So, but right now we're good. Yeah. Cool. Good, good. There's no no place else right now I want to be, so yeah. we're good in Boise. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, and we're doing this in a car. Yes, while we are. We're, while we're gazing at the Boise cityscape. The, I can see down the the Capitol building. Yeah, and we're sitting yep. at the train depot. This has been fun. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Till next time on Next Up. Mm-hmm.